Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Slow Burn Media and Bill Huffman present Who Killed? A podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. You have to know. You have to to feel what your son felt and, and to think why and, and how what, what led up to this it just it's horrible I mean the name Malat I mean the fact that the murder is committed in, Bang- in Belangelo State Forest I mean this immediately uh, makes one's flesh creep Malat was also found guilty of abducting an eighth backpacker the one who got away Englishman Paul Unger Without him, Malat might still be at large, still killing. Because only through his evidence were police able to pinpoint Malat as a murderer. Onions, you see, had gone perilously close to being another victim, and the experience had haunted him. If horror has a human face, then its name is Ivan Robert Malat. Australia's worst serial killer was found guilty yesterday of murdering seven bats. He'd go, I've heard about, we'd heard about his uncle, we'd heard his surname that many times. Like, he did brag about it, true? Yeah. Um, like, he, he looked up to his uncle and he'd made that clear. Ivan Roberts Marco Malat, Australia's own Ivan the Terrible. This is the face of a serial killer. Nothing can get them back. Nothing. A killer with the dead eyes of a shark and the ferocity to match. Brutal, cunning, merciless, predatory. His name alone synonymous with death and now dead himself. I don't think... You get much worse than a cold-blooded killer. It was the biggest murder story I've known in the last 40 years. Malat's murderous rampage changed perceptions of the friendly country. The murder of seven backpackers, including two British girls. If horror has a human face, then its name is Ivan Robert Malat. Australia's worst serial killer was found guilty yesterday of murdering seven backpackers. He died alone in a barren prison cell, an outcome many believed Ivan Milat deserved when he was convicted 23 years ago. Australia's most notorious serial killer lost his battle with cancer in the early hours of this morning in Sydney's Long Bay Prison Hospital. He was 74, serving life for the brutal murders of seven young backpackers. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Who Killed? I'm your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media production. On this week's episode, we will be wrapping up my conversation with Noel and Sonia from the Evidence Locker podcast about the backpack killer, a.k.a. Ivan Milat, and some of the craziness that goes on in the Milat family. And we discussed that in the first episode, and it's kind of crazy how these types of murders run in the family because I uh, will play a news clip at the end of this episode that will detail what happened to one of his relatives, Matthew Millat. So stay tuned after the episode for a couple news clips on that particular case. And again, thank you to Noel and Sonia for joining me from Down Under, and I hope you guys have enjoyed this little mini-series on Ivan Milat, 
and let's jump right into part two of my conversation with the hosts of the Evidence Locker podcast. Yeah, was it the, the backpacks, there was something, were they unique or something? Because I recall when I first read about this story is that something about the backpack stood out like there was no way... Like, I know that you had mentioned that she claimed it was hers and she had never been to Germany, but was it something that was only sold in Germany? Yeah, it was. Uh, that was because I think that also there was one that was only ever sold in England. Okay. And there was also clothing found that um, I think it was Joanne Walters that had a Benetton um, T-shirt on that was a limited edition that was only ever sold in London. Um so, I mean, yeah, at the push, you can say someone from London traveled to Australia, gave it to a thrift shop, it's it also- got sold on. But, I mean, if recent photographs before her disappearance, she was wearing it. Uh, but, yeah. You know, one thing we can't fail to mention either is, in addition to all of this, they flew Paul Onions back to Australia where he positive, positively identified Millett, Ivan Millett in a lineup. So there was that as well. It was that, and um, I feel sorry for Paul Onion. I think he had a lot of um, pressure on him to, because they, he was the one that had to tie it all back up together. And there was a discrepancy about the highways that were taken. So the one goes through the town of Mittagong, and then a newer highway was built that bypasses it. So that's the Hume Highway versus the old. Old Hume Highway. highway. And when Paul Onions was taken by Milat, the, the new road had not been built. So his evidence, it was ruled for a while to be inconsistent because it's not the Hume Highway. Yeah. But they actually just went back to the time where they said that the new road had not been opened at that point. Gosh, you know, it's, this is such a weird case because when you think of like the backpacker murders and you think of the the title, you know, I, I just imagine somebody on like the Appalachian trail or the, you know, something along those lines, you know, kind of hiding in the woods and knocking off hikers as they go by. But that wasn't the, that's not the case. That's not what the term backpacking is to us here. It's, it's completely different in your, in your country. Yeah. It's not, it's not nature trailing. It's, Packing all your belongings in a backpack and traveling from city to city. Mm. Yeah, and hitchhiking, like, you know, that's another art form that kind of died here in the States along with the, you know, with, I think it's the knowledge of what's out there and the fear of what's out there. Is hitchhiking still a huge thing in Australia or... Uh, and uh, we actually just recorded a case yesterday that will go out soon, um, the Tony Jones disappearance. In 1982, 82, yeah, it's still an unsolved case, and that's but that's farther north, and that's the highway of death, Flinders Highway. <laughs> and, so, you guys have such great names for stuff. I love it. Got yeah. a highway of death. You got death. <laughs> forest. That's the scariest place you've ever been. I mean, God, <laughs> makes me just want to run over to Australia. <laughs> Like, you want to go to the beach? No. Take me to the Highway of Death. <laughs> highway of Death and Scary Maze Highways. <laughs> so there was, there was some stuff happening up there, too. So Wolf Creek was actually based on the two cases. That, yeah, sort of a combination of... Um, combination of the two. 
Um, but yes, yeah, scarily mainly inspired by true events of, of random killings. But yeah, it's, uh, Milad went to prison. He um, died last year of cancer. To the end, he refused to cooperate with police. He still maintained uh, his innocence the whole he time. He still maintains his innocence. He's, um, the investigators went to his deathbed. Every day you'd see news reports. They were there with case files and photos again. He just refused to speak. In his last letter, he wrote to his family that the state should foot the bill for his funeral <laughs> because he's not guilty. Um, but just to kind of show his mindset too, he would, he would stage like protests. One of the ones that I know about, he, he literally cut his pinky off because he wanted a PlayStation 2. And they didn't give him a PlayStation 2, so he cut his pinky off. <laughs> and, and posted it to the prosecutor. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> How does that even make it out of jail? Buddy? I'm innocent. Let me cut my pinky off. <laughs> yeah, don't they search that stuff before yeah. the prison? This, they this, probably do now. This bloody envelope just looks perfect to be going to a judge. But, you know, on top of that, and maybe, Sonia, you want to talk about this. I don't know if this is known about in the States, but his nephew? Oh, yes. So his nephew proceeded to go on a drinking binge and they he went with a bunch of buddies into the Belangelo forest one night because they still live in the area and he killed his friend he shot him but he also had a a, a hatchet or, or a tomahawk or something as well yeah. he and he, he like hacked at him and and oh, i stand corrected i think actually that is how he he did it but he killed his friend just for and, and there's, there's a haunting he's quoted um as to saying something like, I'm a Malat, this is what we do, you know, something along those lines. I think I actually do recall hearing about that because that does sound familiar. And you, the talking, what you were talking about before about having the investigators on his deathbed, you know, the side of his deathbed, basically, I recall reading about that daily as well because, you know, being in the true crime genre, like you do keep an eye on those types of cases and that was a hope that he was going to eventually share that information and then i think the headline the next day was yep to the grave yeah. to the grave and it is they have found bones um in similar um locations but more towards the blue mountains farther to the north and then they were able to ascertain that he had worked there at the time the person went missing but they just couldn't get enough evidence to actually charge him with it so there there are definitely more cases i was holding my heart with the bushfires to be honest because belangelo somehow it was surrounded by many of the mega fires but it wasn't burnt down and i thought if, if the bushfires came i think there would be more stories to come out of that forest the stories that could come yeah the the bones that could be seen yeah. after that wow yeah that's a thought yeah, and you know what? I'm not a criminal criminal profiler, but only seven bodies, given his just just the ferocity of the murders, there's no way he was able to keep it to seven. There just there just can't be, you know. Yeah, and I go back to the the gap between 1971 and 1991, and I no 20 years, yeah, 20 years. I mean, I mean, he and the only thing he had on his his record that was 
incriminating quote unquote was the one he walked for. And I think that's sort of what put him back on the radar too, is the fact that he actually went to trial for rape, you know, and, and, and these victims were raped. So, um, you know, and it was also by chance that they found that old court record because yeah, yeah. it was, it wasn't a big deal that someone got accused of something. They was, they, they were acquitted. And then I think it was just a very diligent, uh, researcher at the police who delved through old court records i mean going back 20 years that's that's a big deal this is before on, um online and computers and that sort of thing it's someone that really really dug deep to find more information about this person and um because of this case uh, new south wales actually uh, um developed the software ah yes yeah, called NetMap. And Just that for was, this case. Yeah, they actually, uh, it, and it was really in the early 90s, computers or personal computers at least were um, in its infancy and in police, it was just, um, they were just starting to use it. So to have new software and then train the people to use it while they're investigating, it was it was quite a big deal. It was, um, it was a very big investigation. It was... Um, it, it, an interesting book to read is the detective on the case, the main detective, Clive Small, wrote a book. Uh, it's called what, Millet, Inside Australia's Biggest Manhunt. And he talks a lot about the logistical side of how do you go about looking at a person who's moved around for so many years, uh, has so many siblings, that you don't know at which point who was involved where and how to tie all of that information together. It is, it's quite an interesting book if this case is interesting to you. Yeah, I'll have to check that out for sure. I, I just think that there's definitely got to be more victims out there and it will probably be one of those things where, you know, a hunter comes across, uh, you know, bones in the forest and I don't know if they'll ever be able to connect him, connect mm-hmm. those to him, but it definitely seems like there's got to be more out there. There definitely has to be. I mean, he's also the prime suspect in another case, right? Sonia, they said he was in Newcastle in like 1979, but he's, there's never been enough evidence to convict him of the murder of these three missing girls, but he was pinned to be in the area at that time. So, you know, um, probably would be the answer to a lot of cold cases, but we'll never really know for sure. Thank you to this week's sponsor, Best Fiends. As a true crime podcaster, I'm pretty prone to looking into some pretty dark stuff. But when I need to pick me up or my brain needs to be refreshed and relaxed, my new go-to tool is Best Fiends. Best Fiends is the puzzle game you play right on your phone, and it really is a lot of fun. Your brain will be locked in as you move through all levels and face challenging puzzles. But it's a fun, casual game that anyone can play. I recently cruised past level 1800, and I'm far from an expert. Best Fiends won't take up much of your time, but what it does do is it makes those moments like waiting for your next meeting a lot more fun. I spend a lot of time at home these days, and this has really become my go-to app for entertainment. The best part? You don't even need an internet connection to play. The game is so beautiful, I find that it helps soothe my mind. The cute characters just make it all the better. Best Fiends updates monthly with new levels and events, so it will always keep you on your toes. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. 
Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. So download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. And and we will never know because he's gone and no none of his siblings will ever talk. Except for Boris, but then nobody's going to corroborate Boris's story and maybe one day because... Um, because even Boris, he also tried to pin him or just say that he shot somebody too, but like in the sixties, like a yeah. cab driver. Yeah, Boris. Um, yeah, I, I feel sorry for him. <laughs> I don't think, um, and because his uh, background with Milat, the, the whole family has turned on Boris and said that he's trying to just get Ivan back for taking his wife. Yeah, just can't let that one go. Well, you slept with his wife. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, Does it explain it? Yes. Does it excuse it? Well, that's up to you. <laughs> this is a good point. Now, here's a, just, you know, as we wrap things up here. In the States, obviously, we have a lot more people and a lot more killings. I'm assuming there aren't a lot of serial killer investigations going on in the in Australia. Or is there a lot of unsolved crimes? Yeah, there's a lot of... In a of, um, sense? Like, I don't think there's much. You do know about it when it happens, and you do, uh, at least these days, I think, with um, easy access to media and social media, um, things are exposed a bit quicker. We did come across an interesting statistic yesterday, though, that in 2018... Um, so like 90, there, there were 2,600 missing persons cases that that's unsolved. Ninety-eight percent of those get found. That's right. Yeah. 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 And um, then we have that same thing. It's just a higher number, but you're right. It, but yeah. still, there's still two percent of those people that aren't. That aren't, and they say average of thirty-eight thousand people are reported missing in Australia every year. Okay, that's so thirty-eight thousand people. Um, what's two percent of that? A lot. Missing every year. Too many that that's should be. A lot of people. That's a lot of loved ones. That's someone's daughter. That's someone's son. Someone's dad. Someone's mother. Somebody who probably has goals. Yeah. Operations, you know. So, Too many uh, families with unanswered questions. That's true. Yeah. So do you have any final thoughts on, you know, how the investigation goes? And do you see any victims coming out? I mean, do you think all the victims that he attacked have come to the forefront? Because, I mean, it's kind of a, there's a stigma that goes along with being a victim. And like you said before, obviously with Paul Onions, the, um, the toxic masculinity that goes along with that. Do you think anybody else will come forward or do you think it's been lo- too long that there's, you know, there's nobody left? Uh, um people do come forward and I think especially when he was very much in the news when he was dying sort of saw some tabloid stories coming out yeah the resurgence that that brought was like that was pretty crazy like the movies started ending up on streaming platforms again you know it it definitely brought him back to the mainstream um awareness it definitely yeah there was a bit of a flare-up last year which it's interesting because we did our episode on him last year, January, and only after that did he, um, well, 
it, it was announced that he had cancer and he was on his last, he only had some months left. So it, it became more prevalent. Uh, we just saw on social media after publishing the case that some people felt that they had to say they heard a similar story of someone traveling in Australia those years. Or So it, there's also a fine line so long after the fact, I suppose, between urban legend and fact. And um, yes, some people claim that they they got picked up by him, but managed to get free. Uh, often people with stronger connections in Australia. So that little interview that he had, the risk assessment, if the, he knew that someone was expecting them at a certain time, at a certain place close by, or if they had a lot of family around, if they would be missed soon, he he wouldn't risk it. Yeah, he, yeah, that's that's very intuitive on his part, and very, uh, you know, callous. Yeah, yeah, very. And do you think um, when were the la- when were the last remains found? Nineteen ninety three. Okay, so it's been a twenty almost twenty six years since then. Okay. Now, are there any miss? This is what I was going to ask. Were there any? Are there any missing cases that are unsolved, cold cases from that era that they're looking into at all, or are you not aware of that? Um, there was the one at the Blue Mountains that I was. Um, you mentioned earlier. Yeah, um, and I, I they always do tend to cross reference from what I can surmise. If someone does go missing, they often do look at me lad um i think the general consensus is that we all believe that there's so many more and they always have to cross reference back to him just to know that the option is there and and maybe if everything else doesn't match that might be the only one that still is justifiable yeah Yeah, like we had a second i just want to look up a name quickly and then i'll i'll say something Sure. Because there was a, a lady that went missing and it wasn't actually him, but someone made it look like him. Remember that, Noel? It was a girl and the baby and her child that were killed. Oh, oh yeah. Let me just give me a second. When was that? A couple of years ago. So they actually, I think they left their bodies in Belangelo. It sort of becomes a dumping ground. Let me just... See, my question is why you look, Sonia. My question is just... Ivan was the one who went down and Ivan was for all intents and purposes, the guy, but if his brothers or any of the other of, you know, 13 other children, if they are criminals, if they are, any of them are murderers, these old cases could be pinned to them. But I mean, you know, nobody is pointing any fingers in their direction, but I just, I just, you know, who knows? Cause they're still alive. They're still doing things. And uh, when it was profiled after he died, um, he was on, uh, or the brothers were on a show. One of them, I think it was Richard. He looks just as bad, man. There's a, like, he looks just as menacing. And the way he was answering questions was like, I'm taking this to the grave too. Or at least that's how I took it. That's how it came across to me. So they're just basically a family that they're taking it all to the grave, no matter what they know. Well, like in this particular um, expose, it, they were pretty much had two Boris and Boris was obviously talking about how Ivan is guilty and how you'll never find out. And there's so much more things that he was done. And then the other one who I believe it was Richard was 
like he he might as well have been a mafia don the way he was trying to come across about it like i am just like in defense obviously because that's just how they've always been and maybe him and ivan were close shared things secrets could be but you can't really say because he's not saying um you can only speculate that's insane this, this, whole, this whole story is insane I found this um, information. It was, um, so in 2010, a young lady by the name of Carly Pierce Stevenson and her little daughter, Candelise Pierce, went missing. They were traveling from uh, the Northern Territory. And that was 2010. And in 2015, their remains were found in Belangelo. And the media jumped on it. Everyone said um, they must have been Milat's victims. But it turned out that it was actually her ex-partner, the father of the child. But that's the thing about Belangelo now. Like, it is, like, become the dumping ground. ground because of the reputation and connotation that it has. And, I, I like, I don't know if anybody's homaging or copycatting but like really you're gonna go to Belangelo <laughs> sounds kind of scary I'm not going there if I ever come over there I mean I'll go in your car and you can drive yeah. me through there but <laughs> exactly. just make sure that you've got 23 different GPS units going at once because from the sounds of it three isn't enough and you know yeah. we can go orienteering bill and we'll bring breadcrumbs oh, <laughs> orienteering i've you know what you've changed my life orienteering is exactly the reason why i'm gonna come over and visit i i'm, I'm heading over i'll be there as soon as i can and yeah just to add to it when we were lost and parked in belangelo an emu came running past the car <laughs> <laughs> this dinosaur-looking bird. Um, you rolled into Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, it was it's like a of doom. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Australia and have a nice day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come visit our highway of death and our forest of hell. <laughs> yeah, and then you'll get the, the spider of death in Noel's car as he drove home. Oh, there was a. <laughs> Hairy spider the size of a hand. In if his you've ever seen a huntsman a spider, if you've ever seen a huntsman spider, I'm arachnophobic as they come. That's my thing. I'm arachnophobic. There's no way around it. Driving home yesterday, what normally should have been about an hour and a half took me about two and a half because I had to stop. Didn't find any bug spray. Had to like get my gall and go back in, drive again, started climbing around, freaked out, went to a store, got like two different kinds of bug spray, fogged the hell up out of the car. Haven't seen it since. But again, if you've seen a huntsman spider, have you, did you see any of those like sort of false reports about this spider like caught, I don't know, what was it, a bird or something in its web? And it was like <laughs> something that no spider can take down, that, but this particular spider did. They're huge. They're huge and they're armored up. And I, I, I'm sorry, I personify them with the personas of a serial killer. They're coming to get me. <laughs> I don't know. You should, you know, being a true crime podcaster, you should know better than to not check the back seat of your car, especially <laughs> if you have spiders the size of your hands. Yes, that's and, fair. That's a fair cop. But, you know, as they say, you never think it'll happen to you. <laughs> this is true. And you do come from the States. So, you know, it, you know, you might not just know. Anybody. This is the worst place to end up, though, for being arachnophobic. That's, that's <laughs> like, 
Uh, even the most poisonous spider in the world is the Sydney funnel web. Sydney's in the name. <laughs> awesome. Why not move there? Again, you guys are giving me so many reasons to just hop on a plane and spend a day on it just to yeah, uh, like, if, get attacked if by spiders. If we're not finding dead bodies in the forest, there's other things to fear in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, any final thoughts on Ivan Milat? I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network, you can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at KillerPodcast.com. I think it's fair to note, it's just interesting, and, and in serial killers in general, but for Australia, because Ivan Milat is essentially the most um, profiled case, how that goes into just sort of the public lore about it, you know, films being made, books being written, and just, it kind of, even though it's, it's atrocious, it's, there's still a glamour about it, and, and, and I think that's what he wanted when he died. So by him not admitting to it, 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 he was buried in more of this crazy legacy. It was a little bit more legendary in a negative dark sense. And like your Bundys and all those guys, they want the infamy and they want that last bit of power is I know, and you will never know. And that is how he played it to the end. And so he, in a sense that gives him the last laugh and that's, well, that just sucks. There's no way around it, but it is what it is, and God. Yeah. Well, I hope that the families that are, you know, the victims of Ivan Milat, you know, are able to find some sort of resolution with the fact that he's now gone, but for the people that have missing people out there, still wondering if he may be involved, I feel for them too so yeah, yeah. i really feel for them i don't know how you can ever get closure and you are left to imagine the absolute worst absolutely because he was the worst of the worst all right well thank you guys so much for joining me you guys have been awesome thank you and, oh, uh, lovely meeting you bill it's been fantastic i look forward to talking to you guys at crime con and we will yes have to get together for uh beverages and uh and taco bell because i don't have any of that out here uh yeah we can do that we can do that i'm sure there's there's something around there but uh i'm not sure if we'll be able to get that taco bell due to the current conditions in the state of florida but hopefully we will one day and as i mentioned at the beginning of this episode i'm going to play you a few news clips from the matthew malat case as well as a couple clips from Ivan Milat's case as well. I believe there's an interview about him on his deathbed. So 
stay tuned, check them out, and again, thanks so much for listening. Ivan's nephew, Matthew Malat, has been sentenced to 43 years jail for axe-murdering a mate who begged for his life right up until his final breath. Tenzeli Southwood was in court. Matthew Malat doesn't have a mental disorder. He killed his mate with an axe for pure enjoyment. David Octoloni was murdered on his 17th birthday. Malat was the same age, just a boy. Today, a judge had to decide if that boy should ever experience freedom again. She jailed him for 43 years, with a minimum term of 30. I think it's just enough. More would have been better, but his life will be passed in by then. Yeah, I'm just, just glad it wasn't any less. Malat's mate, Cohen Klein, got a minimum 22 years for his role. Klein recorded the sound of the murder on his mobile phone, including the moment this double-bladed axe split David Octoloni's skull. It was uh, beyond comprehension what he, uh, he had to uh, go through in those final minutes. Malat had lured Octoloni into the Belangelo State Forest, the same killing fields made infamous by his great-uncle Ivan Malat. For years, Matthew went by his mother's married name, Muleman, but he changed it in his teens. The day after the murder, he gloated to friends, you know my family... You know the last name Malat. I did what they do. He makes me sick. He shows absolutely no remorse and just makes me sick. He's just so cold-blooded, callous and heartless. The judge described it as gratuitous cruelty, a thrill kill. We've been granted special permission to get a camera inside the courtroom. This is where the two teens sat, separated by a guard. The Octoloni family sat just metres away, but not once did either murderer ever look up. And no one in here moved an inch when the judge recited a poem Malat had written while in detention. The last lines read, Hear the crunch of leaves and feet, feel your heart skip a beat. Are you gonna get away? No hope, kid. This is your day. The day that you won't be found six feet underneath the ground. Tonight, Malat will spend his first night in an adult jail. He'll come up for parole when he's 47. Ellie Southwood, 10 News. Now I'm going to play you guys some of the original news clippings from the arrest of Ivan Malat. And this is pretty interesting stuff just because everybody likes to listen to old news clips as well as what the story was when he was first apprehended. So we all know that the story evolved considerably, but this is definitely interesting stuff and worth your time to listen to. So enjoy. Basically, a 49-year-old man by the name of Ivan Milat appeared. He's a ganger by occupation, comes from Eagle Vale. He's been charged with two counts, uh, one armed robbery and another of using a gun to commit an offence. Now, today in court, a little more light was shed on what that offence was and involved the uh, picking up of a hitchhiker at Liverpool um, and movements down the highway and an attempt to rob that hitchhiker at gunpoint near the turnoff to the Belangelo State Forest. And this was these allegations made in court by police today? That's correct. Uh, we were told that uh, he was picked up at Kajula. He's a British tourist. He was, uh, they got to the point near the Belangelo State Forest where police alleged the car was stopped. The defendant, Mr Malat, allegedly produced a pistol or a revolver from under a seat and uh, said, uh, this is a robbery. 
the hitchhiker got out of the car, started running back up the highway. Uh, police allege Malat got out of the vehicle and fired a number of shots at the man as he ran away, cry crying out, stop or I'll shoot. They struggled on the highway before a passing motorist actually picked up the hitchhiker and took him to Bar Barrel Police Station where the uh, attack was reported. When did this offence allegedly occur? This happened uh, in January, on January 25, 1990. Um, that was sort of at the height of, I guess, the other disappearances of the backpackers whose bodies were later found in the Belangelo State Forest. Yeah, and of course over the weekend there were a number of police raids uh, in various parts of New South Wales uh, on a number of properties. Yes, well that's correct. I understand there were seven search warrants executed uh, yesterday uh, in New South Wales and interstate. Um, a number of exhibits have been seized, truckloads in fact. Uh, they've been brought back here to Campbelltown Police Station. They include guns, machetes, some backpacks, some uh, dusty old backpacks that were found, and they're now being examined. I understand there's two rooms full of material that is now going to be tested forensically to see whether or not it leads to the Backpacker Murder Task Force anywhere else. And was the defendant held uh, without bail? Yes, he's been remanded in custody to face court again next week. His solicitor, Jim Marsden, raised the point in court that the police allegations are very emotive simply because they use the terms backpacker and belangolo. Uh, obviously that raises a lot of questions in people's minds. Yeah. All right, we'll have a full report in uh, National Nine News tonight. Please thank uh, Simon Boda. Thank you. Chiker at gunpoint four years ago near the Belanglo Forest. The operation surrounding the arrest of 49-year-old Ivan Millat lasted long into the night. At a property at Hilltop near Mittagong, police seized a truckload of possible evidence rifles, machetes, backpacks and camping equipment. This morning, police were back using metal detectors and sifting through dirt looking for clues. At the same time, other teams of police tackled the rugged terrain near Wombian Caves. At Campbelltown, crowds gathered for Millat's first court appearance on charges of armed robbery. Police prosecutor Sergeant Eddie Billet said they involve an attack on a British backpacker in January 1990. Police say Milat picked up the hitchhiker at Liverpool. Police claim Milat attacked the tourist on the Hume Highway just near the turn-off to the Belangelo State Forest. The same turn-off that leads to the sites where the bodies of seven murdered backpackers were later found. Sergeant Billet said Milat grabbed a gun from under his seat and said this is a robbery. The backpacker, who was then 24, leapt from the car as Milat grabbed an old bag filled with ropes. Police claim Milat fired a shot and yelled, stop or I'll shoot and get back in the car. The backpacker escaped when he hailed down a passing motorist. Police say the tourist, who is back in England, identified Milat two weeks ago from a series of photographs. In applying for bail, Millat solicitor Jim Marsden described the prosecution's use of the words backpacker and balangolo as emotive and asked that they be ignored by the magistrate. won't comment on the case at all. Magistrate Kevin Flack refused to free Millat. There was obvious anger from him as he was driven away. He'll appear in court again next week. Simon Boda, National 9 News. And we is outside Campbelltown Court. What happened this morning, Sean? David, it was standing room only here at Campbelltown Court. Malat sat through the 20-minute hearing, emotionless, and he's been charged, of course, with the murder of three German backpackers, 
two English backpackers and two Victorians, James Gibson and Deborah Everett. We were told some gruesome details. One of the bodies found is a head had been actually severed. Another head was found with 10 bullets in it. John Marsden, appearing from the lat, denied all the charges and said he would strenuously, strenuously plead not guilty. Uh, Millat was just emotionless. The court was packed to a standing room. About 30 journalists had to stand, representing all the media. And there were uh, a lot, I think there were about 20 members of Task Force Air. At the height of this investigation, up to 200 police were involved. As you know, it's one of the largest investigations into murder ever carried out in this country. It was all over within 20 minutes. The streets of Campbelltown, absolutely packed, wondering what was going on. As one woman said, why the interest in just one man? Well, I asked why not the interest in the deaths of seven people. Sean, when does he reappear in court? He'll reappear in court on the 28th of June back here at Campbelltown, David. Okay, thanks very much, Sean Flannery, outside the Campbelltown court this morning. And more on that story throughout the day and, of course, a complete wrap-up in our news this evening. Well, more problems for the Melbourne Grand Prix with the federal government. near Sydney has heard police have evidence linking Ivan Milat with the killings, which were described in detail. 49-year-old Milat says he's innocent. It's been nine days since the Backpacker Murder Task Force arrested Ivan Milat. Today, at his second court appearance, they revealed the full weight of their allegations against him. The court was hushed as the Eagle Vale father of one was charged with murdering Victorians James Gibson and Debbie Everest, German tourists Simone Schmidl, Gabor Neugebauer and Anya Hubschied, and Britain's Caroline Clark and Joanne Walters. During today's brief appearance, police revealed for the first time how each of the seven backpackers died, giving a gruesome outline of their deaths to the court. Prosecutor Ian Lloyd QC said Anya Hubshead was decapitated apparently by one blow. Her head hasn't been found. He said Clark and Walters were shot and stabbed and there was evidence they had been sexually assaulted. Gibson and Everest were stabbed. She also had slice marks on her head while Schmidl was knifed in the back. Neugebauer and Clark were shot several times with a Ruger rifle. Magistrate Kevin Flack her police had searched several properties since Malat's arrest, including his Eagle Vale home. There, police say, they found parts of a dismantled Ruger rifle hidden in wall cavities. Ballistics tests confirm that weapon can be linked to shells found near Neugebauer and Clark's bodies. Police also claim they found a backpack, tent and sleeping bag similar to those owned by Simone Schmidl at the homes of Malat's brothers. They say a sleeping bag and a camper's mattress, like Caroline Clark's, were also discovered. Mr Lloyd said police had also seized a range of weapons, including Ruger rifles, crossbows and pistols, as well as a large quantity of ammunition. Another charge was also laid today, the attempted murder of another British backpacker, who police claim later identified Malat. Malat solicitor John Marsden said the charges would be defended. He has asked me to call upon the press to allow my client to be subject to a fair trial, to abide by the right of every member of our community, that is, he is innocent until proven guilty. Soon after Malat's court appearance, police contacted the families of the seven murdered backpackers. I think uh, they did a very concentrated and a very uh, efficient work and uh, they were focused on this case. 
Malat will face court again next month. Simon Boda, National 9 News. Queensland drivers have been slugged in this afternoon's state budget. We'll pay more for car registration. ago, police search teams have uncovered rifles, pistols and camping equipment. The command post at Campbelltown in Sydney southwest was also closed down with evidence, documents and computers taken back to city headquarters. Milat is due back in court next month. The Adidas Sporting Goods Company has run into trouble with its latest shoe... Murder case. 49-year-old Ivan Robert Milat appeared in Campbelltown court to face seven charges of murder. Milat caused a sensation when he sacked his lawyer in court, deciding to represent himself. The accused alleged he was being framed by police. His application for bail was refused and he was remanded in custody to appear in court again this time next week. A Sydney police task force has apparently smashed a widespread lotto gambling racket. Mr Malat has accused the Crown of framing him, saying they haven't one iota of proof to convict him. The Crown told the court its case is a circumstantial one. In custody for more than a month, an agitated Ivan Malat fronted Campbelltown Court today. Accused of the murder of seven backpackers and the attempted murder of an eighth, Mr Malad brushed his solicitor aside, declaring that he would represent himself. I am very concerned in relation to him obtaining a fair trial, but it's a person's right to make their own decision. There's been no clash between him and I. Magistrate Kevin Flack offered the 49-year-old time to find another solicitor, but he refused. The Crown case will proceed come what may, whether he's represented or unrepresented. In court, Mr Lloyd said it was a circumstantial case against Mr Malat, but that it would include 300 witness statements, 600 photographs and hundreds of pages of ballistic findings. The Crown prosecutor said approval is still needed from the federal government to pursue leads overseas, including the positive identification of almost 1,000 articles seized. Among them, a water bottle with a name scratched out. The Crown alleging infrared photography reveals the nickname of one of the murder victims. An angry Mr Malat said it wasn't fair amidst cries from the gallery to give him bail. I'm stuck in jail, yet they don't have one iota of proof. Ivan Malat applied for bail, but that was immediately opposed by the Crown Prosecutor, who said back in 1971, Mr Malat had fled the country for three years when he was facing rape charges. Mr Malat said he'd been found not guilty and proclaimed his innocence, telling the court, I'm going to defend these charges. Magistrate Flack denied bail. As he was being led away, Ivan Malat shouted, that he was being framed. Queensland police say a post-mortem on the body of a woman found in scrubs south of Brisbane shows she died of head injuries before... In fact, his solicitor, the last time he appeared in court, he applied for bail then, saying he didn't want to sit in jail, while the Crown took three months to prepare the case against him. And bear in mind, there are 300 witnesses to take statements from. Uh, today, he was a changed man. Ivan Malat said last time he was innocent, and he demanded proof. He's got a new solicitor this time, a young fellow from Brisbane named Andrew Bow, who spoke for him while Malat sat quietly in the dock, this time saying nothing. Um, Bow made a point of getting the Crown to confirm that since 1967, Ivan Malat has never been convicted of a crime of a sexual or a violent nature. He wanted to get that point across, and Malat was remanded to appear at a city court next month. So he changed his mind about uh, defending himself. What sort of uh, support is he getting from his family? Are many people uh, there to, to witness what's going on? 
Uh, yes, his uh, sister Shirley was here again today and also one of his brothers uh, with a little toddler in his arms. Um, we spoke to them briefly outside the court. For obvious reasons, they're trying to hurry away from, uh, from this, where Ivan faces seven uh, backpacker murder charges and one of attempted murder. Uh, but uh, his sister-in-law said they're proud of Ivan and they'll stick by him, despite the uh, enormity of the charges. OK, Harry, thanks for your report this morning, and we look forward to a full report in our news this evening. OK, Devin. Harry Potter at the Campbelltown Court in Sydney. An argument over a game of pool has led to a brawl in a Melbourne hotel, which South is... South Wales will now be defended by Brisbane lawyer Andrew Bowe. Also coming to Malat's defence outside the court, his brother William and family. Now, can you say something uh, on brother's behalf? Yes, we're very proud of him. Malat hasn't entered a plea. He's been refused bail and will appear in court again next month. There's no doubt four-wheel drive vehicles have been a success story. I ask that details of Malat's record be made clear. He has not had a criminal conviction since 1967 and has never had a conviction of a violent or sexual nature. The solicitor attacked the Crown and police, claiming they'd leaked details of their case to the media. Of course, that's dangerous and I don't want Mr Malat to be disadvantaged. Malat's family was at the court in course, led by his brother William and sister-in-law Carolyn. Yes, we're very proud of him. The case now moves from Campbelltown to a city court. Malat has agreed to a month-long adjournment as police continue to compile their brief of evidence. You're going to make bail applications to the Supreme Court. Can you indicate that to us at this point? No, I can't indicate that at this point. Malat is facing a total of 17 charges relating to the stabbing and shooting murders of seven backpackers. His family has been making regular visits to Long Bay Jail. How does one family cope? Felicity Moffat, 7 Nightly News. Australia is... Thank you to Best Fiends for being this week's sponsor. You can find their very popular game wherever you get your apps. Apple App Store or Google Play. And again, many thanks to Noel and Sonia for joining me down under it is always a pleasure to be able to enjoy and listen to a case that you may not have heard of before so it was really cool to have them on i am very grateful for that and again many thanks to you guys the listeners and if you guys do enjoy the shows that i produce and want to help support my cause you can donate via PayPal, Venmo, or on slowburnmedia.com, that is slow minus the W. Just by clicking the donate button, any amount helps keep these podcasts running. If you would like to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your shows, that will also help keep the cases that I cover in the spotlight. And again, I do drop new episodes of Who Killed every Friday as well as I plan on merging my passion case and who killed into kind of a two-show and one-feed type of thing. And if you want to stay up to date on the cases that I have coming up or the cases that I've covered in the past, you can follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3, as well as you can always check out the website who killed amymahalovic.com and if you guys have any information about any of the cases that are unsolved that I have covered please don't hesitate in calling the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI 
or Crime Stoppers. You can remain anonymous and you can go to crimestoppers.com and submit a tip. So thank you guys so much for listening this week. And as always, be healthy and stay safe. Unfortunately, we have run out of time this week, but I would like to invite you guys back for part two and the conclusion to the Backpack Killer next Friday on Who Killed. And thank you so much to Noel and Sonia from the Evidence Locker podcast for joining me this week. It is really cool that they were able to join me from down under And with the technology that we have, it's pretty amazing that we are able to do such things. So, as a reminder, I drop new episodes of Who Killed every Friday. I'm going to be mixing in some of my Passion Case episodes on the Who Killed feed. And I guess I would say, for the second year in a row, I will be representing Who Killed and Who Killed Amy Maholovic, as well as my Passion Case on Podcast Row at CrimeCon 2020 in Orlando. I'm not sure exactly what's going on with the situation there. So if you want to buy a ticket and you would like to save, you can use my promo code AMY2020. The new dates are October 30th through November 1st. So if you enjoy these podcasts that I produce, you can help support independent journalism by clicking on the donate button on the left-hand side of slowburnmedia.com. That is slow minus the W. You can also contribute to the show via the Venmo app with my username at Bill-Huffman2020. 
or via PayPal with my email address. I will also provide a link in the show notes. And every contribution does help keep these slow burn podcasts running. You can also help support the show by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your favorite shows. Those five stars do help keep the important cases that I cover in the spotlight. So anybody who's got any information about any of the cases that I've covered that are unsolved, please contact either Crime Stoppers or the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI. If you'd like to stay up to date on the cases I have covered, as well as the new shows that I have in the pipeline, please follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. Thank you guys again so much for listening, and until next time, please be healthy and stay safe. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks' lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con.